Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back. I am Leah, and I am joined by Bonnie and Amy, and we are talking about our one cool librarian. So Bonnie already talked about Maria Mitchell, and Amy talked about Anne Carol Moore and Elizabeth Vining. Um, so, But before we dive back in, I'm going to let you know what is on the Gals Guide calendar for the last week in February, last week in March. There we go. One very um, important day is I know, on right? the Gals Guide calendar. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. I love it. So, I mean, today's episode is airing on March 27th. This just happens to be my birthday, y'all. So, Happy you know, that's birthday. the first important news. Thank you. I am 29 again. Yay! I can't believe it. No, it's 45. Uh, but <laughs> beyond my birthday this week, and it probably means that there will be cupcakes and cake at all events during Gals Guide <laughs> during this week because uh, Katie makes my birthday cake birthday and I love to week. share. So, yes, birthday week. Uh, so, Writer's Galaxy happens on Wednesday, March 29th at 430 uh, then on Saturday, April 1st, uh, this is not an April Fool's Day, we will have two events. <laughs> uh, so join us for Tara Circle at 10 a.m. on Zoom. We're going to continue our book study talking about the five daikinis of Wisdom Rising by Lama Sultram Alioni. Then also on Saturday, join us for our LGBTQ plus ally meetup. We are hosting a lovely space for support and resources and community. And that is at two o'clock in the Gals Guide Library. Then on Sunday, April 2nd, we are normally not open on Sunday, but we're on tour, a book tour. That's yeah. right. So we're going to Indie Reads on April 2nd. Ooh. So a handful of authors from the Gals Guide Anthology are going to be at Indie Reads from 2 to 4, and they're going to read pieces aloud, and they're going to sign copies as well. So this wonderfully helps. Uh, proceeds will go to Indie Reads, which provides wonderful literacy programs mm -hmm. to the people of Indianapolis. So we're very happy to do that. So check out this and all the events on the Gals Guide calendar. I don't think there's one that says Leah's birthday. Maybe maybe we'll figure that out. That can be remedied. I know, right? Exactly. I know who runs that calendar. Um, <laughs> so my lovely question for you, my lovely rando question is, what is your dream home library? Like you could, money is no object whatsoever. Space is no object whatsoever because it's a dream, right? You've got a Pinterest board. <laughs> what is what is in your dream home library? Does Bonnie say puppies? <laughs> I mean, there's puppies everywhere. I know this is fair, but, right? Uh, exactly. Yes. I mean, doesn't everyone want the ladder? Yes. On wheels, and you could just <laughs> Beauty and the like, Beast. That shit. Yes. Standard <laughs> in all of them. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So you want the Beauty and the Beast ladder. There you I think go. everybody does. That's okay. the Walden Books ladder. It's totally great. Oh, I remember Walden Books. Yeah, no, we they have the ladders. Oh, Walden Books. Oh, we beauty mm -hmm. and beast of those all the time. <laughs> you get on, push me. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet. Amy, what would be in your dream home library? It's funny because when you first say it, I think, of course, of the room we all think of, right? Like a bunch of shelves just filled with 
you know, tumbles of books in no particular order, just mm-hmm. kind of like the or- you read it and put it up. You know, mm-hmm. that's stacks. I know I'm a stacks. librarian, but I really, I don't. My home library, no, it's not. You love any, the chaos of it it's all. It's not in any order. I just want to. I know where everything is. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's like my first thought. You know, the big comfy rocking chair and a couch yeah. and a floor pillow and all that stuff. But honestly, right now, I'm so in love with having ebooks. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I really feel like. Mm-hmm. I can be anywhere, anytime, and when I finish a book, there I I don't. It's right there. Right. It's yeah. Crazy. True. Crazy, and it's everything. Like you don't have to limit yourself. There's any title mm-hmm. you can find. So, I think my dream is changing. Oh. I just want this magic box that has every <laughs> single book ever in oh. it. Like just keep scanning like things that. in. That's what I want. I want the magic box, the box where I can just say. Say, I, I want, want to read this or yeah Both. or like <laughs> I, I just finished this give me all of this author's other books yeah. immediately mm-hmm. and I don't know I'm really I'm really yeah. digging my the magic the magic box the magic box <laughs> the magic like tablet or phone or whatever yeah so I don't know I think I need a combination of both like I need my nice. lovely comfy space but yes once I've read everything in that room I know right I need I need to fill it up. And the tablet allows you to go outside to mm-hmm. read. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, a physical book does too, but you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. You have that. I, you don't have to physically have, um, uh, you know, book with you and bookmarks and pages. You know, it's like, hey, know. it's all lit up for you too. And I'm so <laughs> spoiled. I'll get the book and then I'll also get the audio book. So I can gotcha. just, mm, yeah. like I'm reading and I have to go to work. Well, we'll just turn, finish this chapter in the car. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. so spoiled. So I really... I really feel like it's changing. Like I See? want, I just want the magic of what I want immediately. There you go. I'm a child. No, you're good. There's so much media out there. Yes. Why not have it? You know, this yes. is what I'm into right now. This is what I want to learn about right mm-hmm. now. Bam. Yeah. yeah. I want everything in a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Oh, that's sweet. I know my dream home library. I love the physicalness of being surrounded by books um, I love it. I feel like it's an inverted forest. <laughs> like they all have the treeness of this all decomposing. And I just, I love it. The biggest thing that's in my dream home library is a comfy chair and a big old light. Um, I used to work in the film industry. So having one of those, uh, we used to call them Jimmy's actually having mm-hmm. one of those big, awkward, um, almost like the Pixar lamp, you know yeah. what I mean? That you can uh, move the neck around and have it, you know, totally fit. But that, I need to have my feet up. So whether it's a chaise or whether it's a couch, I just I just need to be, like, enveloped in this cozy chair with a book and uh, a good light source. Because that's the old age for me, is the light yeah. for the love of Pete. Yes. <laughs> the light! <laughs> then again, I spent a lot of time cross-stitching. So I've, I've learned... <laughs> <laughs> to love the light and the big magnifier right glasses. exactly right <laughs> i'm really working these eyeballs out but i want comfy chair along with my books and apparently my bookshelf will always be ikea bookshelves don't know why the gals guide library is all ikea bookshelves my home library mm-hmm. is all ikea bookshelves uh i take a zoom call at home and people are like why are you at the library i'm like i'm at my house yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. it looks the same yep <laughs> i have a theme i stick to it <laughs> 
So yes, okay. Are you are you ready for this, Bonnie? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Because I've been wanting to talk about this fab lady for uh, a long time, and <laughs> mostly Bonnie's been waiting for me to talk about this lady. Okay, yes, exactly. So the day has finally come. I'm going to talk about my ancestor, um, and it is Gratia. Sometimes I will say Gratia. I've also had a couple of beers, so I might say Gratia <laughs> at some point. But it's Gratia. Um, and she was called the Jane Adams of libraries. Ooh. She was also the icon of the Minneapolis public library system. She worked there from 1889, the day it opened, to 1936. <gasps> so she was there for a hell of a long time yeah. and saw a lot of stuff. So I have a glorious copy. We have a copy at the library. This is my own little copy. So this is my ancestor, Gracia oh. Countryman. Um, so how we are related, because, I mean, it's so obvious in look. Um, it's a really, really fun story of how we're related. So it's my mom's side of the family. They are the countryman line that goes all the way back. The countryman name actually comes from Germany, where it was Guntermen. Translates to exactly the same thing, but Guntermens, right? So in 1710, my ancestors escaped the Russo-Ottoman War. Everybody knows about the Russo-Ottoman War, right? Exactly. Um, so they fled to England uh, where they were in a terrible refugee camp, right? So Peter Schuyler, um, yes, of the Schuyler sisters. So one of the one of the Schuylers was walking around. And Peggy. And Peggy. Uh, was walking around with five Mohawk uh, Indian chiefs. They had all come to England to talk with Queen Anne about finding troops and workers for new New York, right? Um, well, one of the Mohawk chiefs passed by this refugee camp and was so saddened at these living conditions that he offered them a track of land for the 3,000 refugees that were in this camp. Oh. So that's wonderful, right? They finally get a new beginning. They get a home. Well, unfortunately, of the 3,000 that made the voyage, only 720 of them survived. <gasps> yeah. Jeez. So it they were already in terrible conditions and then add, you know, a boat to that and then also add it's 1710 mm -hmm. and America's a wild. <laughs> yeah, like one germ. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Well, wonderfully, um, my surviving ancestor, my direct ancestor was Johann Guntherman. Um, there's very hardy stock in these countrymen. So I'm just saying that's that's how we made it. Uh, so in America, he has eight sons and they all change their last name to from Guntherman to countryman. Mm -hmm. So that's where we change it. Uh, Conrad Countryman is my eighth uh, great grandfather. And he was in Ripley's Believe It or Not. I have the photo. <laughs> it's crazy. So the first one is actually really hard to see, but the second one is black and white. So it is Ripley's Believe It or Not when it was still just a magazine. And it says, because it's hard to read, the daddy of the revolution. He gave 26 sons and grandsons to George Washington's army. But one of them was a Tory. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little guess in time here. Who do you think is related to the Tory, the one that was loyal to England? Do you oh, think it no. was uh, Gracia or do you think it's my ancestor? <laughs> Bonnie, you already know, don't you? Do it, you remember? I, I know you come from the Tory side. <laughs> yeah. I come from the Tory side. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally. So, but I will, I will tell you about Gracia's side that did not come from the Tory. <laughs> 
So uh, Graciouside comes from Captain George. Okay. Captain George would have a son named Daniel. Daniel would have a son named Levi. And Levi would have a daughter, Gracia. So um, a teeny bit about Captain George because he's weird. Um, (laughs) That is my favorite librarian in the world. That is her great grandpa, basically. He was in the French Indian War. He was in Captain Clyde's militia. And he fought in the American Revolution in George Washington's army. This guy just liked to fight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, um, yeah, right. During the revolution, though, he survived an English loyalist uprising uh, when his house was the only one that was spared by the fire. So why do you think his house was spared? couldn't possibly have relatives <laughs> the other side. It couldn't be my dickish ancestor. <laughs> so my ancestor Jacob uh, was the Tory. He was the dude that stayed loyal to England and he got land in Canada for it, right? Um, he did say if he knew his brother, uh, Captain George, was not at home during the uh, firing, he would have burned his brother's house to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just saying, um, maybe this is why I kind of choose the middle way, because <laughs> I've got both sides uh, of my family. So uh, my side of the family would return to America after three generations. It was a pair of brothers who decided to brave it and come back to America. So that's why I'm here. Uh, so I'm a daughter of the American Revolution because of Conrad, but I'm also United Emperor Loyalist because of Jacob. <laughs> And apparently I have just an inner fighting in me. Um, So let's get to, let's get to Gracia though. So Gracia, she was born in Minnesota. She spends pretty much her entire life in Minnesota. Um, Her date on Wicca, birth date is very weird on Wikipedia. It is November 26, 1866. But then in this book, it has her birthday being November 29th, 1866. Um, so fun fact that also Bonnie already knows this fun fact, uh, our library cards for gals guide start with the number 42 and then the next set of numbers are her birthday. And we chose 11 for November Mm -hmm. and then we did 1866. We didn't put a date because nobody could seem to agree on when she was actually (laughs) born. Uh, then the rest of the six numbers are random for Mm -hmm. individual users. But if you ever wondered why our library cards start with 42, that's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, and then of course it is, uh, Gracia's birthday. So, right. Uh, so she grew up in Hastings, Minnesota. She went to the University of Minnesota. She did get heartbroken by a man named Horace at the university. They were engaged at one point. And then in this really weird Ross and Rachel moment, uh, they were on a break. (laughs) (laughs) They got into a fight. He went to Michigan to go work for a little bit. And when he came back to Minnesota, he had a new wife. Oh, hmm. there you go. (laughs) So that kind of messes you up a little bit. She did write this to her father. This is lovely. Uh, Sometimes I hope to be a wife, but I will never narrow myself down to four walls of my home, as many women do. I will try to raise the standard of woman. I am glad that Horty is educated and more cultured than I am, for he will instead help and be a help and not a hindrance to my lofty ambitions. (laughs) (laughs) think she was trying to say fuck you horny <laughs> horny uh, right uh while finishing up college in 1889 her name was given to herbert putnam who was looking to hire new library staff for a brand new 
Minneapolis Public Library on Hennepin Avenue. So Grisha started as an assistant. They hired her under contract for four months. She stayed there for four, 47 years. <laughs> right? Uh, she worked in every department of the library, just like Amy did. Uh, she even created new roles and then worked in those. <laughs> no Sometimes you have to. Right? I really want this job. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to create it and then I'm going to do it. Doesn't it. This needs to be done. Right. And I will do it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, her friend said of her, she created a new vision for the library role. Her mission was that the library would benefit everyone in the community. Um, and this is something that's very echoed in everything that she does. So she also had um, quite a bit of innovations that she brought to the library. These ones are ones that are said that she has done first. But then at the same time, there's such this renaissance that's happening in like 1899 and 1889 that it's sometimes hard to say. Um, I had on here, which I'm very interested to look up. I have that uh, Grisha opened the nation's first children's reading room. And especially after hearing of Anna, now I'm like, well, let me look at what time New York opened. Yeah, well, she may. She <laughs> and this may... is also a reading room. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She, it was all. It, it was, was spreading everywhere. Spreading everywhere. Yes. So hers could very well be the first. Right. Exactly. It could be. Or at least, if nothing else, it is the first in Minnesota. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so because this was yeah, the, the big library. Because, yeah. Um, it was 1896. 798 that gotcha. the Pratt Institute oh. was opening their room. So and this I, was 1889. Yeah. yeah. So she, was, she was before even the Ludi Stearns advocating at ALA. But probably heard about, you know, the importance of children's rooms and stuff like that. Yeah. Just, yeah. It was just something that everyone was talking about yeah. at that time. But in the 1880s is early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was also the first person to create a social service branch at the library. And what this was to do was to support, right? I'm just kidding. I know. It was to support immigrants and it was to get books in their native language. So they had 20 different languages that they made sure that they supported um, all the way up from kids' books to adult books. Mm -hmm. Um, They also had naturalization classes and they also had literacy classes as well. Um, Now, this one... Um, I can't see that she necessarily started it because it's the same year as a lot of other libraries, but she was definitely an early adopter and certainly the first at Minneapolis Mm -hmm. to do this. Um, But she had open stacks. Mm -hmm. There was very much a debate around this time in the 1800s of closed stacks versus open stacks. And closed stacks were you go to the card catalog, you pick out the card and you hand it to the library and the librarian then go gets the book. You don't get to touch the book. Nope. You don't get to see the book until you check it out. Yeah. Um, so she's like, it needs to be open stack. That was mm-hmm. something that she was very much like, this is the way it needs to be. Um, which also meant she needed to create a cataloging system that people could browse um, as well. It's documented that a head librarian in Denver, a uh, public library also used it at the same time yes. as her. So, you know, it was getting around and stuff. Um, But her other innovations, at least at Minneapolis Public, were the new cataloging system, a resource room for teachers, open air reading areas in two nearby parks, um, creating public lectures within the library, um, the first bookmobile uh, for MPL, 
Uh, a fun fact, the bookmobile itself was invented by a woman. <laughs> 1912, Mary Lemnis Titcombe. I wonder if she has nice. a titular degree. <laughs> nice. Uh, she was in Maryland. And then, of course, before that, there was women on horseback. Yes. But the first uh, bookmobile was uh, 1912. I mean, not too soon after we were, you know, really kind of getting mm -hmm. into the car yeah. thing. So, yeah. Um, when uh, Grisha was promoted to head librarian of Minneapolis Public Library, it was 1903. She would be the third person ever to be at the head librarian in Minneapolis. Also, she was the first woman. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> she oversaw 12 branches of the library today i looked it up there are 47 branches in minneapolis but she had 12 uh she founded the minnesota library commission she was the first president of the minnesota library association that kind of makes sense seeing how you know you found it and then you president it and then you let it go um she was <laughs> also the president of the ala later in her career she did a one-year stint at ala so uh, American Library Association. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm looking. I'm looking at librarians. You guys, they're like <laughs> the ALA. Yes, exactly. Um, one of the many things that I really connected with her was how much everything she did was about the people that she cared for. That was like first and foremost. In hard times, she opened more reading rooms so that people could have job services, so people could have training manuals, so that they could uh, learn different career fields to let them open into another job. Also, the reading room was a place for people who didn't have heat in their homes, yeah. and Minnesota gets fucking cold. Yeah. <laughs> so it became this place that is at least warm while the library's open. Uh -huh. um, and the library can't be open all the time, but at least for those who are struggling with heat, it was a safe place for them. Uh, she also created traveling libraries. So not only the bookmobile, but she set up libraries in hospitals and in streetcar stops, and in yep. factories. <laughs> she never cared if the books came back. Yeah. <laughs> She's mm -hmm. like, let's just dump a whole bunch of books, you know, at these exactly. locations. Let's make sure they fit the criteria of what people are looking for. She would ask people at the hospital, what are you reading? What are you looking for? What kind of stuff can we bring you? And she would make sure that it got delivered to them. Uh, during World War I, she was very active servicing the war effort. She was a very staunch supporter of world peace. She was very much a pacifist, didn't believe in armament and war, but she supported the soldiers and she wanted to make sure that they had what they needed. Um, and when they came back, that they had what they needed as well. Um, her public service, she actually served on the Women's Warfare League, also the National Liberty for War and Service Committee and the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. So she didn't just say it. She was also in all the clubs, <laughs> like every single one of them. Um, but then before America entered World War II, Gracia started to notice there was a large number of German-speaking Jewish immigrants that were in the library. Um, she started learning about their struggles to escape from Hitler. And hearing these stories, she turned from anti-war to we need by any means necessary <laughs> to get this man gone. Yep. <laughs> like her letters are like, mm -mm, nah, we got it. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that really changed her uh, positioning on, she still wanted nonviolence, but she saw cause. And yeah. I, I love that she was like, wait a minute, he's hurting more people than not having a war mm -hmm. uh, would do. Uh, in 1931, 
She was awarded the Civic Service uh, Honor Medal for her outstanding work with immigrants. Mm -hmm. So yay. I'm really hoping that it was also like, you know, this end of Star Wars where she got a medal, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? The, oh, yeah. the Yeah, the ribbon thing um, and stuff. Uh, the Minneapolis Journal wrote this about her. And it's so cute. Minneapolis loves and honors Gracia Countryman most because she traveled and trumpeted these streets in the early days to study and to the reading needs of each and every one of its little outlying districts. Because she had thought about the bed bound, the poverty bound, the trouble bound, and has offered them the greatest solace, books. Because she has believed and still believes in taking books to people who need them is her job. Because she does that job with sympathetic understanding, which makes good book benediction. So it's like, oh my mm. gosh, I love her more. Oh, that's just such a course. I know, right? You have to be about the people. Yes, and getting mm -hmm. them the books they need, right? Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not about that you love books. You have to also love mm -hmm. people. People who read books mm -hmm. and getting people to love people books. Who yeah. don't read books. Yeah. People who need something. Mm -hmm. Maybe they haven't seen the right book yet. Yeah. It's like or, dating. Yeah. Or, just, <laughs> or just, you know, people who need to find a job. Yeah. People who need to mm -hmm. fix their car. Yeah. People who got a turtle and don't know how to take <laughs> care of it. Right. There's a book for that. That's your whole day. <laughs> right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so all of this uh, has been about her professional life, which is like amazing and inspiring. But there's two more things that you should know about Grisha, which are more of her personal life. So um, Grisha never married, but she did not live her life alone. Um, and I feel like Amy's like, I know where this is going. So Christmas in 1900, Grisha meets Marie Todd. And Marie would become the first ever in the children's department head of MPL. So I love how this ties into Amy's. <laughs> um, but in the, the book by Jane Pisa, the book has so many of Gracia's letters to Marie. And at first I was like, well, these are two besties. They're not afraid to uh, share their love for one another. Two single librarians who don't want a man to tell them what to do. So they pile their resources together. Sure. Save money. Boston marriage. Uh-huh. Could be a thing. No. So these two would live in the same house for the rest of their lives together. They lived in the same bedroom. Uh, and they had the same love until Marie's death in 1940. Aww. So whatever label they put on it, whether it was queer, gay, lesbian, or just love, love it didn't matter. And I'm here for it. And I'm very proud of her because for 38 years, these women shared a life and a partnership and even a son. Mm. Uh -huh. So the second bit I really want to tell you about of her personal life is about her son. So in 1917, an eight-year-old boy was found quietly reading books in the children's department. He was there every Saturday, and he was often there during school hours. Like, shouldn't you be in school? <laughs> uh, Marie found him, uh, and he said uh, that his mother was busy during the day and told him to go to the library. So, uh, I know, right? <laughs> so Marie brought him to Gracia, and the two of them just had this calling to take care of him. So Grisha and Marie took the boy home first and then they called Child Protective Services and they mounted an investigation to figure out, all right, where's this kid's parents? You know, uh, where should he be? Here's the short version because it is a 
full big chapter up in the book. The short version is the mom was in Canada. She was unmarried. Yeah, I know. This kid came from Canada. So uh, the mother was in Canada. She was unmarried. She was working as a maid. So she wasn't able to carry for her, uh, her infant, her newborn. So she gave the baby to a married couple who didn't have kids of their own. And they were moving to the United States. How do you? Anyway, um, the couple that she gave them to separated. There was a falling out. There was another boyfriend involved. And it just all got kind of weird. But the taking care, the caregiver was mm -hmm. busy during the day because she was a prostitute. Yeah, right. So very quickly, uh, Gracia was the temporary guardian and she did everything she could to legally adopt him. Uh, she did use her powers for good. <laughs> uh, his name was Wellington, and he chose prou proudly to be Wellington Countryman for the rest of his life. Uh, and he was happily married and had his own business and was very proud of his mom and his Auntie Marie is mm. what he called his Auntie Marie. Yeah. That was the thing. I was like, oh, and well, do you have two moms? <laughs> but it was Auntie Marie. <laughs> mm. So I am so proud of my ancestor. I, I see elements of myself in her story. But more than anything, I just feel a really strong connection to helping people through books. I think that's what I love about her so much. Um, I've always felt like an odd duck in my own family. <laughs> so then when I read this story, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. There it is. There's the relative that, you know, I kind of get. Um because when I read her story, I feel this grounding that every couple of generations, us weird countrymen get some lofty <laughs> ambitions. <laughs> and then we just decide to try to help people in our community. And I thought, whether the community is a refugee camp in England, whether it's a polarizing war in a new country, whether it's a library in Minnesota, or whether it's a library in Noblesville, mm -hmm. just, you know, us damn silly countrymen. <laughs> <laughs> So that is Gracia, and that is also why we call our library cataloging system Gracia, sometimes Gratia. I didn't call her Gratia once. Da, da, da. So proud of myself. Look at that. I've been calling her Gratia for years. Oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> it's spelled G-R-A-T-I-A. Mm -hmm. It looks like it, but it's Radia. Latin. Yes. Gratia. Gratia. <laughs> and I'm like, they can't be right. They're totally wrong. I'm like, oh, it's Latin. No, that's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It even says they gave her a wonderful Latin name. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Seals the deal of Gracia. <laughs> well, I will say that um, Minneapolis and Hennepin County library mm -hmm. systems are gold standards. <gasps> are they really? <gasps> Yay! Yes. Hennep Hennepin, it comes up all the time. Oh, sweet. That, That's her library. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah those library systems are, are really a lot of best practices have come out of there and a nice. lot of her practices. Sweet. Like I did roll my eyes about the social services. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, it's, in, yeah. in a public library, um, that it's very difficult. Oh, and yeah. it, it is wearying a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, especially, um, you know, during the pandemic when yeah. so many people didn't have jobs and didn't have places to go and yeah. didn't, and it was, I it's mean, heartbreaking things, and, every but day. But it's always yeah. like that. When yeah. I worked for Monroe County in Bloomington, the homeless population there, a lot mm -hmm. of 
it is a lot of younger homeless people right. and they had a whole like their day it was you get up you have breakfast at this location mm-hmm. and then you come to the library and then you can have lunch at this location and then you yeah. come back to the library yeah and it it really does wear on you and and outreach outreach to the hospitals mm-hmm. outreach to um, assisted living facilities mm-hmm. all of that or even oh, yeah. just going you know taking books to kids in more impoverished areas yeah it wears you down and right and just and you know it's important and mm-hmm. she started all that yeah. i mean that's not what libraries they were just you know houses of books <laughs> they they were for research for scholars yeah. or even you know for the wealthy subscription libraries yeah and, to have a public library become more than the books, that's yeah. so important. And mm-hmm. that really came from from her and all a lot of librarians in yeah. that time period. I feel right like they were the all the working century. together. They were like, mm-hmm. wait, is this working for your community? Yeah. Let's duplicate it here. Modern yeah. Li- yeah. Th- mm-hmm. That was just the beginning of modern library service. And yeah. when, it, when it became not only about materials, but about people. Yeah. And... All the people. Yes, exactly. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So even the ones that can't reach the library, it's still about them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it doesn't matter. It's it's not just for readers. Yeah. You know, it's it's nice. We love it when you come in and are a big reader. But if you yeah. just, you know, need to print something off your yeah. phone. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> need to print your resume yeah, on your way yeah. to like, or, you know, an awesome job interview. Yeah. yeah. Or, if you're, or if you're just there to, you know check out music or to mm-hmm. just whatever you're there for. If you are just, you did just get a turtle and you're mm-hmm. desperate or, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. if you only come in once, you get your turtle book, your turtle survives and mm-hmm. you return it. I mean, yeah, right. We've done our job. <laughs> exactly. You know, you've gotten your Save taxes out of it. You've gotten, <laughs> you know, you fixed your car, you did whatever yeah. you were going to do. So Speaking of taxes, we actually looked it up um, because it, I go to a lot of these public board meetings and people are like, my taxpayer money. Oh, it's so little. $35 is what I pay a year. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I would gladly pay way more than that for my public library. Mm-hmm. $35 a year? Yeah. It's, oh. it's so small, honestly. Yeah. It's, just it's not even of, a percent. No, <laughs> it's, it's a teeny bit of your property tax. Yeah. And honestly, even if you never come in... Mm-hmm. You're Think of it as a charitable donation. Yes, like $35 yeah, or more. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Or <laughs> it's totally you, worth it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you only come once a year because you take your kid to see the mm-hmm. big snake or, right. you know, or yes, whatever. Exactly. I mean, a, a big author comes yeah. to do a you know a reading or something. Yeah, and you're like, you go oh, see, yeah, you let's go, go see John. Janet Ovanovich. Yes, exactly. John she Green was amazing, comes. by the way. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> she just came to Johnson County. Oh, sweet. Yeah, to the art craft. We have lots of her books. But I mean, you know, or even if, you know, even if you do, you just call because you're stumped on the crossword puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That happens all the time, honestly. Oh, does it really? Yeah. And they I probably get a bunch calls. of Wordle questions too. Oh. But, oh, oh, I can yeah. only assume. Yeah. There's I mean, a phone number for New York, uh, for the New York Public Library mm-hmm. System where you can ask them any question. <laughs> yeah, that That's the library phone number. Yes. Yeah. Any question. We, we've gotten every oh question. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It is really fun. And, <laughs> You know, my favorite are, I found this weird thing. What's it worth? <laughs> and you get to take the picture and put it into Google yes. images and try to, you know, mm-hmm. oh, that is a Roman coin. Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, by the way, that, that, yeah, I had one woman and 
I had to refer to the art museum because she had a very valuable piece of glass. Oh. It was gorgeous. Nice. It for her, I mean, that it was a life changing amount of money. Oh wow. Yeah, if it was authenticated. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's amazing. Changing people's lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean it's just or the people who come in and are like Hey, remember I I got that job. Yeah, right. Or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And people come back. All yeah. that's because of Grace. Because <laughs> she cared about people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have people that come into the library and I'll, you know, and I'll remember their name because I signed them up for a library mm-hmm. card, and they're like, "You remember me?" And I'm like, "Isn't that my job?" Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like you gave me your information and told me your story. Yeah. It's my job to remember you. It's not like I see thousands upon thousands of people a day. Yeah. I see like dozens of people a day. <laughs> I can try my best to remember people. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Well, should I wrap us up for the month? Sure. I mean, happy birthday to me once again. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making. I'm just, I know 29 again. Woot. It's fantastic. I'm going to have Katie cake at some point, which is amazing. Mm, I still think about that, like strawberry lemon cake or whatever. (laughs) She asked me what I was feeling. I'm like, I'm feeling strawberry or maybe lemon. And my, I, when I told Katie, uh, that was an either or situation. She put it together and it was amazing. So good. So, uh, yes, we miss you, Katie. Katie will be back uh, next month for Poetry Month. But um, she was so busy making my cake. (laughs) 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 So if you have enjoyed our bookishness, please join us next week as we do start Poetry Month. So these kind of, you know... Uh, these kind of uh, bookend. That's the word I was looking for. They bookend each other very well. There we go. So I hope to see you soon at the Gals Guide Library. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Gals Guide patron today. Thanks for listening.